Mara Schiavocampo is a celebrated TV journalist, host of the Trend Reporter podcast, a digital content creator, and a best-selling author. She is a four-time Emmy award-winning news correspondent and works as a senior investigative correspondent for The Dr. Oz Show. Thank you so much for being here with, with Jacqueline and I today, Mara. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So let's kick off this conversation about pitching and um, media relations, why don't we? So let's talk about something you reported on recently that stemmed from a pitch. And the example that you wanted to reference for this conversation was an episode of The Trend Reporter titled Protective Hairstyle Myths which stemmed from a pitch about Dark and Lovely's YouTube documentary called Pretty Shouldn't Hurt. So can you tell us more about the pitch and how the story came to be? Yeah, so I'm uh, good friends with one of the um, people who was featured in the documentary. So Dark and Lovely created, Dark and Lovely is a hair brand. Um, it, they, they have been making products for decades for um, African-American hair. And one of my friends is uh, a stylist that works with them. So, you know, hair brands often have stylists that they work in consultation with to help them develop products or promote or try them um, or just kind of spread the word with the the clients that they work with. Um, And his name is uh, Derek Monroe. He is uh, one of the lead hairstylists at The View. He's a celebrity hairstylist. He does lots of lovely ladies. Um, And he's a friend. And so he said, well, you know, you should should watch the documentary because I'm in it. So he um, sent me the link and he invited me to take a look and um when i watched the documentary i said okay we should do a podcast episode about this so the topic of the documentary you know it's called pretty shouldn't hurt and working in media i can kind of like see the layers so clearly the whole purpose of this documentary is to sell they have a new line of products for um natural hairstyles so dreadlocks faux dreadlocks braids you know, cornrows and also um, individuals, you know, twist, twist outs. So natural hairstyles, they have a new line of products for natural hairstyles. But what they did was something really creative. They created a whole story about these natural hairstyles and how, you know, they're supposed to be good for your hair, but if you don't treat them the right way, they can actually be very damaging for your hair. And part of treating them the right way, of course, is using um, these products that they've created specifically for these styles. So the documentary wasn't very long. It was about 25 minutes. It's on YouTube. It's not like they did like a theatrical release. And it was well done. It was well put together. Um, And they gave me a story. They created a story for me that I could get on board with that was very easy for me to say, oh, yeah, we should do a topic about this. We should do a topic about how to make sure your protective hairstyles are really protecting your hair and not damaging it. I have had the personal experience of of a protective style leading to a lot of damage. I had to cut like 12 inches off my hair in one day. So I could really relate to that story. Um, And so it was a clever, it, it was, what they did was very successful because they gave me a story that ultimately, you know, all roads lead back to the product, but it mm-hmm. wasn't so obvious. Right. And they also worked with an influencer, right, who the hairstylist, Derek, who I'm assuming isn't necessarily full time for Dark and Lovely there or he's somebody who they hired to basically help promote the new products. Right. Correct. And and it's funny that you identify him as an influencer. He absolutely is. But he's kind of an influencer with for me in the, the old school sense in that he's my friend and he's somebody yeah. that I know and respect. Right. In that 
face. I mean, I respect him as a person as well, but especially when it comes to hair, because that's his expertise, that's his business, that's his art. And so he's like an influencer for me in a very literal sense. Like when he says something to me about hair. (laughs) I love that. How did you meet him? Uh, we met through work. So I needed a hairstylist for an event. And um, I reached out to a, a friend of mine who's uh, an amazing makeup artist. He's the um, makeup artist for Wendy Williams at the Wendy Williams show. And cool. he, he recommended Derek because they work together often. And so um, they came over to to get me all all beautified. And um, we just clicked, you know, we just and now we're great friends. That's yeah, so I, cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love the I love episode. glam people, by the way. Like that, like those are my people. Like <laughs> the same language, we just get each other. You just click. It makes sense, and then but, you get, yeah. you can just like be friends in real life. I love that. Yes. Exactly. Oh, it's really funny. I listened to uh, the episode "Protective Hairstyle Myths" and your story around meeting him and how you were concerned about having him do your hair. I think it was exactly. you were afraid that he would hurt you or be too rough is what it sounded like if I'm remembering correctly was he went the other way because he's so gentle that then I thought he didn't know what he was doing (laughs) what he's doing because he's not hurting me at all he was braiding my hair to put a wig in and you know you want to braid it so your wig lays flat and it didn't hurt at all and I was like does he know what he's doing but but his whole thing is pretty shouldn't hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally yeah (laughs) That's cool. I love that story so much. So this came from an organic friendship in a way, but Derek knew who to go to to help get this story out, out there. Yeah. And And I think it helps that, you know, he works in media uh, indirectly. So, you know, he's at The View. He's there every day. You know, hairstylists hear everything. So he's there when the producers are coming in to brief the talent. And he's been in that environment for so long. Um, He knows. He knows. He picks up on, you know, he picks up on all that. Wow. That's so you're saying that. Well, maybe I can get into hair and makeup and maybe that could be a good way I can (laughs) build better relationships with the media. (laughs) I love that. So like with your podcast, what kind of stories are you looking for? Do you ever get cold pitches for your podcast or do most of your stories kind of come organically this way? So it's funny because I I get a, a ton of cold pitches, but I get too many. So I can't, I, I, to be honest, I just don't look at any of them because if I don't know you, I get so many that don't make sense for me and that don't fit. And then I would never do that are just totally not within the scope of what we cover there are so many of those that they flood the zone. So I may be missing the one or two that would be great because I just can't sift through all the cold pitches that I'm getting. I think I must be on some lists. I mean, you guys would have to tell me, I really don't know like what the particulars are, but you know, I'm clearly on mailing lists because I'm getting like two dozen PR pitches a day. So if, if I don't know the person and they're not messaging me directly or texting me directly, then, um, there's just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna notice it. You know what, what's funny because recently people have been DMing me on Twitter and that actually gets my attention because there's so few, like I might get one a week. And so I just asked somebody to send me something for consideration for gift guides for the um, holidays because she DM me on Twitter. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'd love to check it out. Like, please send me a sample. So she actually found a way to get through, you know, because with email, I would never see it. Oh, now you might get a lot of DMs. I know. 
<laughs> my DMs are open too. So you know, I love pitches. I'm a reporter. So I, I take, I don't consider them a nuisance. I love pitches because that's how I get story ideas. And that's how I find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I view PR and journalism as very symbiotic because there's plenty of times where I need you guys. I'm trying to book one of your clients or I'm trying to, you know, feature one of your products or get access to something that um, a PR rep is controlling. So the, it goes both ways. So I love getting the pitches, but just logistically, there's no way I can go through the amount that come in every day. Yeah. How, what kind of stories are you looking for? Like what, it's hard to it's hard to describe the brainstorming process, but can you in a way? Yeah, I, you know, it's a mix of, I have to be, um, cause I'm so out there, like we're talking about the trend reporter, like the podcast, I'm so out there in my beauty stuff. Like the only place I've ever been that feels aligned with what comes naturally to me is Japan, because in Japan, they will try anything. Like I remember they were selling in the, their equivalent of Sephora, um, pig was it oh god what is the stuff that come placenta it was like pig uh, placenta. yeah cool um you know i would try have, that <laughs> right they have like bird poop facials because you know bird poop is bleaching as you would know like it, it when it gets in your car it can like uh, bleach the paint on your car it can do the same thing with your skin in a good way because you know in japan like the ideal is that like you know porcelain doll kind of geisha right. look um, and so uh, when I was in Japan, I was like, yes, like they will do anything for beauty. I like, I'm right up <laughs> with you, but I have to remind myself often that most people aren't so extreme. So like there have been, not yet. Not yet. There have been things <laughs> that I've pitched, um, that, you know, the, the shows that I've done that haven't done as well as I expected them to. And my co-EP at iHeart is like, well, Amara, you know, most people are not going to spend $5,000 to get like, you know, one extra eyebrow hair. And I'm like, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Say all that to say, um, I have to remind myself often that um, I'm, I'm look, I'm trying to cast the, the net as wide as possible. I want the tent to be really big. And so I'm looking for things that are really buzzy that people are talking about, but they don't know about. So for yeah. example, it could be like air fryer. Like, why do I hear everybody talking about the air fryer? So you hear about it, but you don't know the details. You want to know a little more. Or it could be eyebrow lamination. Like, why do I keep hearing people talking about this eyebrow lamination? Like, what is it? Is it expensive? Does it hurt? Is it going to make me look better? Uh, or hyaluronic acid. Or it could be a specific issue that they have. Like, oh, I'm getting these, you know, fine lines under my eyes. What's the best way to tackle it? So I'm really trying to reach like the masses in the things that they're interested in and wellness and beauty. How do you keep a pulse on what people are talking about? What kind of resources do you follow? That's a that's a really good question. Um, it's I consider my life to be my focus group. So I really mm-hmm. pay a lot of attention to what the people around me are talking about, what, you know, like pre-COVID, like what the moms at school drop off were talking about. Um, you know, I get on I'm, I'm part of like text groups that I actually I don't participate. I'm kind of like a voyeur. Like I want to be on them because I want to kind of see what people are talking about. But I really like I don't like to text. Read messages. I mean, I'm invited. I'm a welcome guest. But, um, I, you know, I just I'm more interested in observing than in, in you know, texting. But I say that to say I want to be part of a lot of conversations. And I, I ask people a lot of questions because that's where I learn what people are talking about. And for me, what always gets my attention is when I keep hearing about the same thing. So I'm like, wait a minute, like with CBD, you know, now mm-hmm. we're like 
years into the CBD trend, but I remember hearing about it in rapid succession from different people in different circumstances, very close together. And I was like, this is something that I need to look into. Like there's something here. Everybody's talking about it. So that's the kind of thing that I'm always looking for. That's cool. Do you ever look at Reddit? Side note, because I love yeah. looking at Reddit Did beauty I? stuff. I think so. I've Reddit has changed my whole, like the way I look at beauty. I like the skincare addiction um, subreddit and I like the curly girl method. I learned about that through Reddit and it changed my life. Um, so I don't know if that helps I'm, at all. But It does. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a cool. rabbit hole, but it yeah. can, but there, a lot of them are kind of on the pulse of that kind of thing too. There at least you'll find kind of like people willing to try things, you know what I mean? Like maybe mm-hmm. stuff that isn't totally mainstream yet, but I think could be, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, and that's always what I'm looking for is stuff that like cool. I want it right right when it hits the tipping point of mainstream, but not so much that now everybody's heard about it and done it and tried it and they have an opinion on it. Like right. I want to be curious about it. That's cool. So like I hope it's okay to kind of pivot from here. Um I know that you work with the Dr. Oz show. Do you get pitches for that? Or how do you come up with your segment ideas for that? So that's largely um, driven by the team at Oz. So I would say like maybe like 85% are assignments. What I do is when I see something that interests me and that I'd like to work on that I feel like fits with the show, I will just forward those, you know, those articles or those pitches on to the producers, but that then it's in their hands. It's not like when I, you know, when I was at a network correspondent, I would pitch heavy. Like I would do research and I would give these like dense pitches. It would be like two paragraphs full of like stats and why it's important and like a potential character and, you know, all this stuff. It's not those kind of pitches. I'll just like forward on an article and say like, this could be interesting thing but it's really very driven by their team see that's really cool because I've been trying to pitch more tv stuff and I think I've picked up on that um kind of like Dr. Oz show level type stuff like daytime tv um and it does seem like the way to pitch those kind of shows is to go directly to the producers from what I can understand okay that's good to know have that much editorial control right that makes sense and they basically assign out Thanks. So like when you pitch to the producers, do you often get to work on any of those stories that you pitch or is it kind of like random? Oh, yeah, yeah. If I pitch something, then I'm going to work on it, assuming that cool. they have already been working on it. Yeah. And you know personally what they're going to be interested in as well. It's not like you would pitch something totally off base for the show. So that, may, that right. would make sense. Right, cool. right. And I think that's the most important role in whatever you're pitching and whoever you're pitching is make sure that it's something that makes sense for them. You know, when I was younger, I always wanted people to like think outside the box and try something new and be creative. And that's just not what this game is, not in any way, shape or form. This is you. You meet people where they are. You you go you swerve into their lane and meet them there. You don't ask them to come come out of it. So that's the single most important piece of advice I can give to anyone pitching anyone for anything is pitch them what they're doing. Because you might pitch me something really, really interesting. But if it's not what my show does, it's not what we do. Makes sense. Um, I'm so just downloaded Reddit, by the way. <laughs> I always thought I, it was like for guys. I thought it was very male, like tech heavy. No, if they you look have up, different channels, yeah, so it can be pretty. It depends, it can right? Be that way, depending on yeah what you're looking at. <laughs> I would look up beauty channels that are popular on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Hold on. Okay, um, Mara, I don't know if you saw, but if you go to the chat on the Skype window, I posted my, like, some of the subreddits I look at. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I, I heard it making noise. Um, <laughs> that was me. The curly hair one is, oh, gosh. People, like, just post the most beautiful pictures of their hair. Um, it's, that's probably my favorite one right now, but the skincare addiction is also probably my second favorite one. People are really big into skincare. Like, huge. I'm obsessed. Those episodes are my best performers. Really? Mm-hmm. Skincare, which surprised me. I did not expect that. Yeah, I'm really into oil cleansing. I guess this isn't really about uh, media relations right now, Britt. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but okay. Tell me what you're into. I do. You want to hear my routine? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um. So I I like oil cleansing too. Well, I can't just put oil on my face and walk away. That's just not acceptable to me. I like to do a double cleanse. So I'll do olive oil at night. But then I'll wash it off with a, one of the CeraVe um, face washes. I think the moisturizing one. I'm obsessed with moisture. Um, and then, at, I don't know. I really like um, The Ordinary. Do you know that brand? No. Oh, okay. I'll send that to you. The Ordinary? I'm right. Yeah, right The Ordinary. They're kind of nice because if you kind of know what ingredients you want to use for your skincare routine. They have a lot of these like isolated, um, they're basically, it's basically like stripped down like skincare. So instead of having like extra fragrance or other inessential ingredients, it's kind of like, this is the main ingredient. This is what it's called. And so they have different lines of, um, you know, I don't know, like different acids and different um, retinols and things like that. And, they actually, I don't know if they're still doing this, but for a while, you could actually send them a picture of your face, describe like what you wish your skincare routine could do for you. And they were spitting out product, um, like whole routines that you could try. And so they gave me a customized routine and I went ahead and made the purchases and I was really happy with what happened. Um, my main complaint was, was I felt like it wasn't, it is really smart. I felt like I wasn't getting enough moisture in that during the day, like in the morning, it f I felt like everything was looking great. And then by the afternoon, I just looked tired and they recommended a few products that I thought were really good. But yeah, I do olive oil and then face wash and some of the ordinary things like serums. And I, I, I stand by CeraVe though. I use the nighttime cream. I really like. I do too. Yeah. Really so funny. People love CeraVe. Oh, well, it's like, I'm not a cheapskate. Like, I actually find joy in wasting a lot of money on beauty products. Well, right. <laughs> but some I have gone back. Like, I've tried other things, more expensive things. I end up always going back to them. I'm like, well, it is old faithful. And it's at least I can get it, like, at Walmart if I'm really, like, if I need to, you know, if I run out. It's not like mm -hmm. a big, big production to find more. Mm -hmm. Anyway. That. Thank you for letting me know. I'm, like, thinking about a show around this already. Oh, cool. Perfect, perfect example. I yeah. have heard about double cleansing probably from seven different people in the last two weeks. Unprompted. You, you wow. just mentioned double cleansing. I did not ask you about double cleansing. So I'm like, people are talking about this. This yes. is the exact topic that I'm looking for, where it's not like so huge that everybody does it all the time and they don't, they're not interested in it. Like people would want to hear 20 to 30 minutes about double cleansing. <laughs> Ooh, so I have a really good follow-up question on this. Yeah. yeah. How do you find the right expert? 
Oh, that's a great, 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 great question. Um, so first, it depends on the outlet. So the perfect expert for Dr. Oz might not be perfect for um, my podcast. Uh, for my podcast, I'm looking for something, someone with a large social following, first and foremost, because you know, if you promote digital, like the ideal promotion is platform to platform. So podcast to podcast. So in, the perfect guest is someone who has a large podcast, a, a, a podcast with a large audience. But then the second tier would be someone with a large digital presence, because that's what's going to translate, right? Someone can be like a huge TV star, an actor, or, but if they have like a, if they have a small digital footprint, it's not, I'm not going to see the translation to the podcast and that I've just learned from experience so um, that's big for me is their audience and where their audience is how engaged they are do they do appearances and not post about them do they ever promote anything other than themselves and that's not it's not a criticism everybody has their own kind of social strategy and personality but I'm looking for someone who I can see has already in the past shared about things they've done, posted about things that they've done, um, and how engaged is their audience? Are people, you know, really engaged with their posts? And so, because for me, discovery is the most important thing, Like You can make the best content in the world, but if nobody actually is hearing or seeing it, it, it's pointless. So that's the first thing. Um, and then they have to be good. So they have to be knowledgeable. That's huge Mm -hmm. for me because I'm a reporter. So I can't have on a guest that doesn't know what they're talking about and can't really answer questions knowledgeably. I just, I, I, my whole purpose is to inform the audience. So if my guest is not helping me do that, that's not the right guest for me. Um, and then I love people who are like playful. Like I want somebody who comes to play, like doesn't mm-hmm. take themselves too seriously, doesn't take the process too seriously. Um, and just wants to like have fun with it because then I think that makes it fun to listen to. So those are really the three things that I'm looking for. I like it. So it sounds to me like you go after them, but maybe I'm mistaking that. Do you have people come to you and say they want to speak to a certain topic on your podcast or for the Dr. Oz show? Yeah, it's a mix. Do they represent like a reel or any, like how do they prove to you that A, they're an expert, but B, that they're actually fun and interesting if you don't know who the heck they are? Um, well, it helps to be able to see, see them in action, but that can be demonstrated through their, through their social media feeds. So if, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, like when I worked for the Today Show, you know, however many years ago, like I really wasn't going to book anyone who didn't have like big market experience. Like I had to see that they had been on like other shows and done other interviews. This is very different. I just have to know that you're a good talker. So I can see that on your stories. If you're posting a ton of stories and you're really fun and engaged with your audience, then that's, that's good enough for me. Um, So generally when people are pitching themselves, you know, it's a range. And in today's world, today's social media world, um, I think there's no such thing as being like too like shameless in promoting yourself. <laughs> like some people are like all out, like you should use me cause I'm the best of ever. And I have, I've done all these amazing things and here's my social media following and here's my, then and here's my media kit and here's my link to it. And that's great. Like, I love it. And then other people, it'll just be a conversation where it's like, Hey, I would love to come on and talk about X. And I'm like, okay, cool. And you know, I just file it away and see if there's a way to make it work. Is this all happening through social media or because it sounds like maybe you pay attention to that a little more than a cold email. Is that fair? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Social media is going to be more effective just because it's so much easier for me to click through or like to send it to someone on my team, like to just share whatever the post is or the profile and say like, Hey, like, let's see if we can make this work. So cool. yeah, that is an effective, a much more effective way. Cause it gives me a really quick and easy way to scan and see if, if it's the right fit. Besides uh, media kits, what other assets or additional info or is helpful for you? I mean, I'll be honest, the media kit doesn't really mean much because okay. anyone can make pretty graphics. Um, it's really, really all about the digital footprint. And that doesn't necessarily mean huge numbers because I don't have huge numbers. Um, it means an engaged audience. It means like a consistency and what you're posting about. Um, you know, I have to be able to understand the value that you're going to bring to the audience. So that's the most, it's like your calling card. Like that's how I can see what I'm going to be getting. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That was one of my other questions was what's the number of audiences that you look for, but that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be huge, like especially if it's niche. Like for example, we've done a couple episodes now on Trader Joe's foods, which oh, yeah. again, shock the hell out of me. People are really into it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, great, let's do more of it. People love it. <laughs> so, you know, if you're that niche where all you do is Trader Joe's foods, then your audience is super into Trader Joe's foods. So then when you post that you're on the podcast talking about Trader Joe's foods, those people are way more likely to come and listen to it than someone who has a million followers and is, you know, kind of, they're just a celebrity. And I, I don't say just in a disparaging way, but like, yeah, they may come check it out. They may not. But if you're like, you ride or die for Trader Joe's Foods and you're like, oh my God, you're on a new podcast, you're going to go listen to it. So that person with 10, 15, 20,000 followers is actually incredibly valuable to me because their audience is going to show up. Yeah. That's oh my God. Exactly <laughs> yes. what Jacqueline and I like to hear. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about that on the podcast lately. Um, we had one guest talk about how um, some CEOs get geeked out over the Wall Street Journal or insert any big prestige publication name here. But really, it's the quote unquote little guys or, you know, niche people, people who talk about things to smaller audiences that are way more engaged and that you can find so much more value in. So it's not always wise to get geeked out by a name brand, you know? So I think that's kind of along the lines of what you know in your own work as well. Yeah. I think those things that you just mentioned, like the wall street journal or the New York times, whatever, I mean, those are really vanity plays. Like vanity if, plays. Love if that. I were to get featured in the New York times, I would feel really, really good about that. My parents would be so happy to be over the moon. <laughs> exactly. It would not benefit me much beyond making me feel good. It wouldn't translate to any podcast listens. It wouldn't translate to any social media followers. It wouldn't translate to my digital footprint at all. I know that for sure. And so that is how you kind of have to think about it. Like, what is it going to get you? And those things, they don't get you much in today's world. Oh, music to our ears. Right, Brett? Yep. Love that's it. great. All right. I think we've covered a lot of the questions that I had, and this has been a really, really valuable conversation. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask, Jacqueline, before I move on to the shout outs component of the interview? Really quick. 
have you do you have any pet peeves around yeah I think it might be good to ask and because this might not necessarily stem from a cold pitch just as you're producing or I guess you're not necessarily a producer but as the show or segment is getting produced whether it's for the podcast or Dr. Oz are there any pet peeves around guests or publicists representing guests that you wish people would just stop doing I mean that's a good question I'm incredibly (laughs) laid back Okay. I get the job that publicists are doing. And so there are things that they do that are annoying, but I understand why they're doing it and it's in service of their client and it doesn't annoy me. Um, What annoys me are pitches that reflect that you haven't done your homework. Mm. So a pitch that shows me that you have no idea who I am, what I do, what I cover. Maybe you've spelled my name wrong. Maybe you are pitching me for a podcast that I haven't worked on in years. That's what bugs me. So like, just do the, you know, do your due diligence, do a little bit of homework, do the work. Um, That's, that's all I ask. (laughs) Okay. We'll take it. That's a good answer. When we all have to be reminded about. Right. So Mara, do you want to give any shout outs to publicists or PR professionals that you've worked with recently or in the past who you think have done a really awesome job? Well, I have so many friends who are in PR. Um, so Rachel Nordlinger, she's, she, you know, she's not so much typical PR. She's more like extremely high level crisis management, but, um, She's one of my best friends. Her name is Rachel Nordlinger. She's a terrific human being, and she always gives me great um, advice. And Cheryl Crowley, who is the publicist for the Dr. Oz show, um, has been a friend for a very long time, and she, too, um, often helps me out. There was a a New York Post, a page six item that <laughs> ran over the summer that it wasn't bad in hindsight, but at the mo- in the moment, I was incredibly embarrassed. It was about a um, there was a podcast episode that I had done where I talked about the importance of having regular orgasms. And so the a page six did an item on that. <laughs> and I started <laughs> 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night and I freaked out and I called Cheryl and I'm like, oh, my God. And I know the rules, right? I know I can't get them to change it because it's accurate. Yeah. Like, they haven't done anything wrong. I did say that on my podcast. I just wasn't expecting it to be a headline. And um, she, you know, she like talked me off the ledge and she like helped me through it. So (laughs) shout out to Cheryl. (laughs) That is a good friend. (laughs) All right, Mara. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't talk about? No, I mean, I think, you know, this is probably the, like the core of all of this, you know, PR and, and press it's just about relationships, you know, like at the yeah. end of the day, it's like life is a contact sport. It's about your contacts. So just maintaining those relationships and keeping good relationships and keeping in touch with people and checking in and remembering little details about them. Cause you know, that's, what's going to build the foundation for successful pitches. Love it. You gave us so many good quotes <laughs> Thank you. and you gave me a, a show idea. Mm, uh, what? Double, double cleansing. Cause I wasn't crazy. Oh, about- yeah. The one that I have scheduled for next week, I was actually literally today trying to think of a replacement for it. Um, so I think I'm going to do double cleansing. Cool. Well, if I if I think of any other weird beauty stuff, I'll send it to you via social. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Earn Media. If you tune in often, Jackie and I would love for you to leave us a review. We're always trying to improve, and it's so helpful to know what our listeners are finding most useful about this podcast. Until next time.